Welcome to Your Teen with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. We are the co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. And today we are talking with Colleen Rosenblum, one of the hosts of Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, a podcast specifically about the experience of being a woman in midlife. And, you know, we just thought we'd go somewhere a little different this time because we talk about the teens all the time. But seriously, aren't we so impacted by our own hormonal shift stuff? Like, it's mm. not, we're not <laughs> operating in a vacuum here. It's like nature's cruel joke is what I always think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it is. And like, the thing is, until someone points it out, you might not notice that mm-hmm. these are going on simultaneously. And like, you know, there's a little bit of this kind of like, it's not me, it's you. Wait, did you say a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how much of your life did you deny Uh, PMS as a thing? Like, a lot of my life. (laughs) Oh, my God. I remember being, even as a young girl, and my mom would be like, are you about to get your period? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to get my period. Oh, my God. And when I was a young girl, when I was a married woman, how about, this is not my fault, this is you. (laughs) I used to say I used to say that Todd turned into a jerk every 30 days. I know. And the thing is, like, it was so crazy because I was the same. Oh, funny. <laughs> it was like, what's going on? What cycle are you on? I'm being me. Right. And all at the same time, you've got like these kids coming of age and testing all the boundaries. And it is really a cruel joke. It really is. Do you have any standout stories of like, you know, kind of like tail between your legs going like, oh, oh, yeah, I have one. I have. Well, I guess the question is, are you willing willing to to share? share? (laughs) Yeah. When I almost got out of the car on the highway, like that one. Wait, did I know you then? I feel like I know this story. Yes. So this would have been, you definitely know this story. You're probably one of the only safe people to tell it to because I was that crazy. And (laughs) so let me just think for a second. Yeah, this is maybe 11 years ago. A thousand percent you knew me and we were already spending lots of time together. Yeah. And we were on the highway, all five of us. And I literally opened the door on the highway. Oh my (laughs) God. Well, first of all, I want to bless the earth for not having sucked you up and that you are still here working together with me. So thank you. (gasps) Crazy. Crazy. And I, I didn't, I remember feeling so incensed and like just off the rails, but I, it was a little bit like watching from outside of myself. I think as the door flew open, I thought, someone's crazy here. (laughs) And it's likely me. (laughs) Well, so I'm not so good at remembering the particular examples, but I do remember that like, if it went on like that, everybody all day for maybe a day or two was annoying to me and and responding inappropriately to the regular me, I had to step back and say, well, it just might be me. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but it might be. It might be. Yeah. (laughs) Then the, uh, the other thing I want to put out there is at 45, I started having hot flashes. I'm still having them 15 years later. And they come at times, they're not, you don't like say, okay, now's a good time to have a hot flash. (laughs) So like, you know, I can be in situations where recently on an interview and I'm like, I am dripping. What do, like, do I acknowledge this? (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Well, and it's so funny. I, I, we've had times where, and it's funny, I'm trying to think if this is tied to menopause and it must be where 
something happens and you will say to me in your ever nice voice, you know, maybe you want to wait before you put that email out. Because I'm like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. And I'm going to blah, blah. And you're like, you know, why don't you sit on it? And I'm like, why is she talking to me? Like I'm four. Like I need to be told to sit on it. Then the next day I'm like, oh my God, I am so glad she said that. <laughs> well, you know, it might not be the next day. It might be a few years later when you say, how come you told me to send that email? <laughs> That's the best story. That's the best one. I think we already, I think it was already on a podcast, right? We did. Such we a good one. It. Um, yeah, I know. Such a good one. It is, it is like the story of hearing what we want to hear, which is why like there's, there's no, no one is a good retailer of eyewitnesses or their own lives. Like we all, how do we not, right? How do we yes. not put like what happens in the future back on the story we remember from the past? I think about it all the time. Like, oh my God. There are stories that I want to desperately hold on to, but time just takes away either the, the edge of it or the whatever it is. And and I go to tell the story and I'm like, wait, how did I feel again at that moment? It's gone. It's so true. And you know what? It's such a good tie back to, t- to having teens because- Oh, we right, that's a- what we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although this one was a freebie for us to talk about us. Yeah, it was, it was. But it is a good time back because there are so many times where something will come up about one of the kids and Todd will be like, I just don't understand why he doesn't fill in the blank. You know, it could be anything. And I'm like, you know, he's 20. Or, you know, he's only 23. I'm like, you know what I was doing at 20? Like, just some of the things. And I'm like, you're taking everything at age 52 and oh, rewinding yeah. it. And it's it's so unfair because there are, believe me, there are pieces. I think this generation is very, I think it's a tale of two cities in some ways where like they are so mature in ways that we were not and worldly in ways we were not. And then there are other aspects of them that I think they are n- not nearly as a pe- independent as we were, but they grew up with parents, us, who yearned for those conversations and communication and relationships in such a way, different way than our parents did. So I always think it's it's a mixed bag. I mean, all of it being said, I'd rather have the relationships we do. Like, I like this. Now, maybe it's going to or has already come back to bite me. I have no idea. But it's all I know. It's all I know. The other point you were making, which I think is such a good one, is there's there's very little way for us not to have our today brains yeah. evaluating our teens today's brains and so it doesn't, It you know, it's like to put yourself back there. What, I mean, do we want them to behave the way we behaved at that age? Do we, you know, I mean, there's so many other things that weigh into saying that stupid when I was your age, I was already working. I was already married. Whatever else we would put out there to our kids. I would never talk to my mother like this. Like it's, none of that's really relevant. It's because, completely irrelevant. You're right. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've got, we've got 2021 and that's it. That's all we have is to put out there with our, what are like the landscape that our kids are being raised in. And then what does it look like right now? Is it working? If yeah. it's not working, it's a problem. If it's not working in comparison to what I did a billion years ago, that's not relevant anyway, but certainly not to our kids. And they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> And you know what? They don't even act like they care. And the other thing is, I think that the whole, and you and I have talked about this and so many experts have said this whole thing about coming from a place of curiosity with our kids, it allows them to live in their generation and what they know. Because instead of us saying like, oh, well, when I did it, instead you can say, well, tell me more about like that. Like why, what are you hoping to accomplish? Tell me more about what, you know, that strategy or whatever it is. You really can come in very um, authentically because you 
don't know what it's like being them living through the teen years now. So it kind of all, I don't know, it's just interesting. It's an interesting story and an interesting time. Up next is our conversation with Colleen Rosenblum. We can't wait for you to join us. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. guest today is Colleen Rosenblum, one of the co-hosts of Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Hot Flashes and Cool Topics features women over 50 that are single and married, professionals, entrepreneurs, retired empty nesters, and child-free, but all have in common that they enjoy the freedoms that come with this time. They cover every aspect of the modern midlife and beyond woman and showcase them as we are today and will continue to be tomorrow. Thanks for being with us, Colleen. Hi, everybody. Today, we're doing a little bit of a pivot, and we're going to focus on the moms instead of the teens. Why not? We spend so much time talking about our teenagers, and therein lies a little bit of the problem when they get older, that we're so singularly focused on our kids. So today, I have an exciting guest, Colleen Rosenblum, who is co-host of Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, and it's an awesome name. Great title to your podcast. Thanks for being here with us, Colleen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, so let's start with, well, first of all, how old are your kids? I have a daughter, 25, and I have another daughter, 23. So you have gone through all of the same things that we talk about all the time with two kids who are now, you know, adults, right? I have survived, yes. I have, I have survived <laughs> lived, the teenage years. You have lived to talk about it. I want to give a very big milestone in my life. My baby of five just turned 20 yesterday. So I am out of all teenagehood in my life. Well, so congratulations. Crazy. You survived as well. I did survive. One of the things that happened to me is I had my youngest kid at 40, which by the math I just gave you means I just turned 60, yes. And at 45, I started going through perimenopause, which is like this onslaught of hormones coming from all sides of us, right? Like our kids are hitting adolescence and puberty at the same time that a lot of us are going through our own hormonal imbalance. So um, do you talk about that a lot? And, And what do we do? We do talk about it quite a bit on the show. We like to call it the perfect storm. And because women go through perimenopause at such different ages, you know, they say that the normal age for actual menopause is about 51 in the United States, but that's an average. I'm 53 and I'm still in perimenopause and I think I probably will be forever. You know, for a lot of women who had their children in their 30s, they're going through perimenopause and many of them don't know they ha- they're going through it. That's one of the biggest problems is that we are not educating women 
in that age, that demographic of 40 to 55, that perimenopause can last for up to 10 years or even really what perimenopause is, which is those stages where your hormones start to go on a roller coaster ride, just like your children's hormones are starting to go on a roller coaster ride. And that's why we call it the perfect storm. So women don't know that it's happening. They just know that their patience is dwindling, that they're not feeling themselves. They're gaining weight. They might have migraines, the brain fog, hot flashes, all those fun things. And they may go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, it's just, it's just menopause. It's fine. And the word just should never be used when discussing <laughs> perimenopause, especially to a peri- perimenopausal woman. So you're dealing with your home hormones changing. And then you've got your kids who are fighting the battle because they don't believe, you know, they know everything at that stage of life. They, they don't need mom telling them, well, it's your hormones that are making your head spin and, you know, pea soup come out of your mouth. They don't get that. So you're, you're fighting these two battles and compounded with that in, is that some of the research that we have um, done and, and experts we have spoken to show that when your estrogen starts to decrease, your need to, that strong need to nurture everything, it also decreases. So here you are kind of in this transitional stage of you don't know what you want to do and your child is just an alien has taken over their body and it's really a difficult and challenging time and it makes perimenopause that much harder, I think, for a lot of women. So biologically, we're at odds with each other and then the other piece of it is that I'm sitting there going, this is your fault because you're insane and you're going through puberty. And they're looking at me going, "Uh, I think it's your fault because you're going through menopause. So as you said, clashing of, of the storms. So you hear from a lot of moms. Tell us, what are the biggest changes that they feel as their kids are hitting adolescence? Depending on the age range, a lot of women feel a great amount of guilt because they might be working a lot. And this is the time where they're starting to realize that your kids need you almost more now during those teenage years than they did when they were much smaller. So there's there's guilt involved with that that I think for a lot of moms, you reach that point where you kind of want to start to discover who you are, but it seems selfish because we have been trained to think that we must come last So, and I'm guilty of that, just like so many moms out there. So when you're at that transitional stage of life where you're not sure where that next stage is going, you don't feel like you can do much self-care because you have to put everybody else ahead of you. And your kids need you a lot, the teenagers. You know, one of my oldest daughter went through a very severe eating disorder and it rocked our family. And it took all of the energy and air out of the room for several years. So when I talk to moms, it is, they all sound exhausted. (laughs) A lot of them sound really tired. And they just fight this battle of guilt because they want to do some self-care, but it feels guilty. It's like our, our society has taught them that you can't do that. It's wrong to put yourself first ever. Now that you're on the other side of this story, can you tell all these people who are listening what's exciting about that stage of life? It's really a mindset. My older daughter is now getting married in September. Congratulations. 
Thank you. We are in wedding crash mode, 81 days and counting. So it's getting to see that next stage of life for her. It's so exciting. And my youngest is finishing up school and she's kind of discovering who she is. And you get to do that with them because they're starting to realize, wow, my parents are human. It's okay that they're human. It's all right for them to not always have the right answer. And you start to build this, I like to call it the advisory position. You're less of telling them what is right and wrong and more kind of advising them what you, you know, what are your options? And I think maybe this might be the best one for you, but you're not telling them, they already know, you know, what's right and what's wrong. So you're not worried so much about keeping them alive. (laughs) As you are creating this this bond with them in an adult way. And it is a weird feeling when they are adults because you do have to take a step back and that's not an easy thing to do. You know, you, you see them going straight into the wall and you want to say stop and you know you can't. So it's challenging in a different way. And what are the positive things in terms of the question of who am I now? It's easy to go into this like very downward spiral, which I'll get to next, but there also we can look at and say there's there's some opportunity there, right? Absolutely. We talk a lot about the freedoms that you've earned over the age of 45, and they are freedoms that we've earned through experience, life experience. So, you know, there are things that you get to self-discover now that you haven't looked at. You know, maybe there was something you wanted to do in your 20s that you put aside because you had kids and you had a family and priorities and work that you can pick up again. Or maybe you discover something totally different about yourself. It's that that sense of what's going to make me happy over the next 20, 30 years of my life. Because so much of society is telling you, oh, you know, you are kind of past everything. Your kids are now leaving the house. You should be sad about that. And it is a sad time. It is absolutely sad. But that doesn't mean that's the only feeling you can have. So you can be a little excited about the next chapter and still be a little melancholy about your kids leaving home. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And I think that we aren't given that opportunity. People don't say it's okay to be sad, but you can also be excited to go traveling with your partner or start a new career go back to school. There's, there are so many options now and we are becoming, a, you know, we are powerful consumers at this stage of life. We are the ones who have the extra finances to be spoken to by the media, but they're still all about millennial, millennial, and that's a whole nother topic. But we are powerful consumers that will support companies that we believe in. And it's time for you know, society to start to recognize that. So it's really a self-discovery time that can be challenging because a lot of women think I've, you know, I'm no longer a mom. Well, you're always a mom. It just looks a little different, but you're always a mom. And I'm no longer, you know, having to get them up in the morning and get them ready for school or all that. Well, that's a freedom. You can turn that alarm clock off now. Like that was one of the first things I did when my kids graduated high school and left for college. I said, okay, I've, deserved, I've earned this. I've spent 20 years getting up at whatever time that clock said, and I turned that alarm clock off. That was a privilege that I earned from the 20 years of getting up with them. So simple thing. It's changing the mindset to, okay, what have I earned from this experience? I've done this job for 20 years. I'm not feeling as fulfilled anymore. What can I pivot to? I have that experience. I'll take it with me. But what can I pivot to? So I want to talk a little bit about something that really, I don't think it's talked about a whole lot. I actually was parenting for 30 years when my youngest son left for college. And there was this huge vacuum when he left 
that allowed all this anxiety to seep in. And I had no idea what was going on. I went to the doctor. I thought maybe something was wrong with my heart. I mean, I really was like so unsure what was going on physically with me. And it turns out that like whatever protected me from being so busy and being so satisfied with momming and all these other things in my life got ripped away. And then there was all this anxiety left. And when I started telling friends what was going on with me, it seemed like everybody was dealing with that. Is that something you hear often? And why don't we talk about it more? Because we don't talk about ourselves. It sounds selfish to say, I'm struggling. I need help. We just, we're the moms. We do everything, you know? And then all of a sudden that's kind of swept away. And where are you? You you don't have your footing. Coupled with the fact that we also don't talk about the fact that perimenopause can create some severe anxiety in a lot of women and depression. Mental health is an issue. As your hormones change, your mood swings and your anxiety can increase. So for me, I have generalized anxiety disorder. It was exacerbated by perimenopause. And a lot of doctors that you go to, OBGYNs, will say, oh, it's menopause. Here's an antidepressant. Well, that's not really addressing what's going on in your life. That's not going to help with the symptoms of perimenopause. And it's not really going to help with what you need to do, which is start doing some self-care and it being okay to talk about it. It's hearing things like your podcast and my podcast where women in our, in our demographic are saying, yes, I, I have anxiety, I have depression. It's okay to talk about them. That is so important for women out there that are feeling alone because one of the things we hear a lot about is feeling isolated and it's not just from the pandemic. When women hit midlife, when your children are leaving the house, you're no longer hanging out with the moms and dads from school. When you're no longer trying to climb the ladder at work, you're no longer hanging around with the younger crowds that are coming into work. And it's a very isolating experience. So we try to talk about things that women can do to feel supported and to feel connected to a community. And I am curious how the pandemic, now that we're coming out of it, will affect that long-term isolation if it makes it worse for women in midlife. Well, I think that both of us now have been on this podcast. So people who are listening can now hear two women who have just said that they are dealing with anxiety. I think it's prevalent. I think it's everywhere. And I think talking about it to our friends and our therapists is the way to go. I mean, I think it really takes the power and the sting away from it. And certainly the shame if you start talking to your friends about it. So our marriages also might have suffered while we were co-parenting if we are in a a marriage or a co-parenting situation. So if your priority together was raising these kids and you maybe left the marriage a little bit less tended to, it might fall apart, but it also might be joyful. How do we turn it into a priority again if we hadn't done that for many years? It's an interesting situation because a lot of women that I have spoken with who have gotten divorced realized that they didn't even know who their spouse was anymore. When the kids left, they were both so focused on the children that when the kids left, they did not recognize each other or how much they had changed over the last decade or two. So it can be a struggle for a lot of couples. And you're also rediscovering who you are and it might be different and he's rediscovering or she's rediscovering who she is and it might be very different. So one of the things that's really important is to spend that time, you know, marriage is work. So you have to rediscover who this person is and, you know, go on date nights again. And that may sound weird after, you know, I've been married, it'll be 29 years this September and my husband and I still go out on dates. 
you have to find the common ground that exists that's not the children. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, that adds a whole nother layer because now you're a divorced person who maybe your friends were married friends and now you have to discover you're empty nesting, you're divorced, where do I go? What do I do? It's, it can be a very overwhelming situation for men and women to be in. And there are resources out there to make connections, but they don't know where to start. You know, we've had dating coaches on and they talk about, you know, things to do for people over 50 when they are starting this journey. But the reality is when you've been married a long time and you have not put the focus in your marriage, it's very hard to get it back once your children leave because it should have, you know, you should have been making that effort the entire time. And it's very hard. You're working, your kids are driving you crazy. You hardly have any time for yourself and then your spouse, but it's hard to catch that back up after your children leave. So you have to be willing to put, it might be therapy, it might be date nights, it might be just communicating with each other. But if you can't find just like you have to find a new way to communicate with your children as they get older, you have to find a new way to communicate with your spouse as you guys are starting this next chapter. And it either works or it doesn't, unfortunately. I have a friend whose kids um, left home before my kids did. She was telling me in that way that friends who are experiencing the next stage are so helpful. She was telling me that she looked at her husband and said, okay, I've done a really good job of nurturing my loves, and you've done a really good job of nurturing your loves, and we've neglected this combined one, and let's let's dig, let's dig, dive in. And so I came home from that conversation and said to my husband, okay, I've done a good job here, and you've done a good job here, and it has to be really intentional. It won't, it won't come back, but you, I think, you know, if you're both interested in it coming back, being really on purpose about it can make that difference. Have you guys had your husbands on as guests on your podcast? We have not yet. We should, but we have not. Both of our husbands are, are workaholics, so it's hard to get them to sit still. But um, I agree with you. It's got to be intentional and you have to have communication and love as a basis to do that. And, you know, my husband and I, it's a funny situation because I was devastated at the idea of my kids leaving. What was I going to do? And it turns out, I think I had three full months of empty nesting before my youngest came back because she hated the school she was at. And since then, we've had what we call revolving door parenting, where one leaves and the other comes back. And, you know, it's, it's a different dynamic. Once they've left for school and they're adults, they come back different than when they were at home. So you have to ha- learn a whole new dynamic with that too. So one of the things I noticed is that, you know, it'd been years and years since I was silly. Somehow, as a parent, when you take that role, you no longer get to be silly. And when the kids were gone, it was fun to recapture that. Is that something that you found in your life? Yes. I'm pretty goofy with my kids, so they're used to that. But now we play a lot more. We, We go out to lunches. We go on vacations. We play a lot more because we're not having to discipline them all the time. Teenage years is so much about creating that foundation where they feel safe and they know their boundaries. Now you're past that point and you get to enjoy being goofy with them. And, you know, it's, it's still challenging, but it's such a joy to see your kids fly. It's hard for you. I have lost friends who didn't get this privilege. So I try to look at it as I am blessed to be able to see my children grow and fly. And it's really, like I was saying before, it's a mindset and it's a perspective 
that's so important every day to make that choice. Am I going to look at what I've lost or am I going to look at today and what I've gained? That's a great perspective. I live with both all the time. Like I have that duality going on all the time. And mostly when my kids are here and about to leave, I have the loss all over again. And then when they're somewhere else, I move back into like my joyful space. But it it doesn't come without its challenges on the visiting and the leaving, I think. Right. And you know, it's interesting. My co-host Bridget was very, very sad about empty nesting. Her children are 27 and 25, I believe. And they're, they've flown, they're, they're out of the house. And the pandemic, they both came back and it gave her a chance to feel some closure. And she feels now that they're both back into the their world, she feels much better about empty nesting. It was almost like she wasn't ready the first time, but she was ready now. So, you know, it was a, kind of a gift for some of us to get our kids back for a little bit. But you're right, it's, you start to realize that, oh wait, I kind of missed that downtime of you know, being able to, or wait, they did know how to do laundry. I know they did, you know, it's, it's kind of falling back into those modes of who's going to do the dishes tonight and then all that fun stuff. Yeah. I think it was the gift and the curse, right? Like they came, they, mine came on slot and like, you know, I was all of a sudden back in a house with, I have five kids, one of them's married. They were all here and you're like, oh, someone says to you, what's for lunch? And you're like, oh, not happening, not happening. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you, I mean, the, I think the, the joy of it is that you had no choice but to learn how to be with adult children. Yes, it definitely was a learning curve for many of our guests and our listeners. We've gotten a lot of emails from women going, you know, I have to say I'm kind of excited that the world's opening up again and my kids are going to go back to their lives because it's time. Like, I think it was, especially for parents of kids in college. And I feel so badly for the kids who were seniors in high school last year and didn't get their proms and didn't get their graduations. You know, all those rites of passage, that had to be hard for parents to see as well. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I know that you said this somewhere where I heard you speaking, which was something that a friend had told you to do when you were saying goodbye to your kids for the first time. So give all these parents who are listening the best tip there is. So when I was, my youngest was a senior and a friend of mine was a couple years ahead in the journey of empty nesting. And she said, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. And that is have something to look forward to that is just for you. It doesn't have to be big, but have something to look forward to, whether it's taking a vacation or in my case, we moved different states. So I went big, you know, (laughs) go big or go home. I went big. You know, you spend so much time in that crunch time going, okay, do you have everything you need for your dorm room? Do you have the sheets? Do you have the towels? Do you have your classes signed up? Let me pack everything up. Let me get it there. That when you leave them at school, if you don't have an idea of what you want to do, you walk into an empty house and it's very hard. It's very hard. So if you have something to look forward to, even if you plan a vacation and it doesn't have to be out of the country, it can be somewhere small. For me... We raised our kids in South Florida. I was never a big fan of South Florida. So my husband and I decided that when our last left for college, we were going to move to Nashville and start a whole new life up here. And we did, and the kids came with us. So <laughs> it ended up, they both transferred schools to up in here in Tennessee. So you never know what, you never know what life's going to, plan out for you, you know, but have something to look forward to is my biggest piece of advice that I was given. And it helped me so much because it kind of dulled a little bit. The pain. It didn't make the pain go away. I still had to close the door and not look in that room for a while, but it dulled it a little bit because I had something to look forward to. So I have half your story. 
So um, <laughs> we took my youngest to college. We both, my husband and I, wept because he'd become part of our marriage. He was the only kid home for four years. We wept and wept. And even like in front of my kid, horrible, we said, we're insane. Don't pay attention to us. Go off and have fun at college. And then we went and visited a kid who lives out of town and forgot about the kid who we dropped off in college. <laughs> That'll work. So okay. We were such quick recoverers. It was unbelievable. Like we le- we wept in despair. And then we were like, oh, has anyone talked to him? <laughs> so we took yours. You had the luxury of going to see another one, which is really nice. That is really, I, I, I was a mess with both kids. I was an absolute basket case. People on the plane were like, what is wrong with that woman? And you would think, you know, August, everybody's taking their kids to college. You'd be like, oh, that must be a mom. <laughs> I loved her kid at college, but I cried the whole car. I tried out the car in front of them, but I cried the whole car rides on the airplanes. It was it was definitely a mess. So I'm glad I had something to look forward to. Well, I also want to put out there, like I do have friends that didn't have that same emotional reaction that in a lot of ways were waiting for the moment to take their lives back and were so grateful and had, had a lot more of the gratitude part of it than I did. It's such a personal experience for each person, but I will say you do survive it. You really do. You think you're never going to survive your child leaving for school and you find your way. And then they come back and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's transition in and transition back out. So we end every interview with this question. What's the biggest surprise you found about raising teenagers? You know, I think for me, I, for some reason I thought, okay, I genetically had both these kids. They're going to be alike. And they are so different. And their teenage experiences were so different. And I'm like, how did I give birth to both of you? Like you're such different human beings. So I think that the fact that you watch these kids develop as such different beings was shocking. Like I I got it, but it was shocking. I was like, oh yeah, you really are kind of independent human beings. And just watching them be so different from us. You know what I mean? Those things where you think they're going to be just, they're going to grow up to be just like you, but they really have their own minds. And they are definitely more confident, this generation, in speaking those minds. Because there are many times where I would say to my kids, oh my God, if I had said that to my mother, I never would have seen the light of day again. Like it never would have happened. So I think they're more self-confident in certain ways. They're definitely, I have to say a caveat to that though, with the onslaught of social media, I think they have it much harder in that respect because the world looks so beautiful on social media and that's not the way it is. So that I think is harder, but they are more articulate and able to share their thoughts with you a lot more than I ever was able to do. Well, I think we did a really good job of giving our kids a voice. We just didn't realize it was going to come back to haunt us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a good way to describe it. Yes, a good way to describe it. All right, Colleen Rosenblum, co-host of Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you. It was fun. Thanks for joining us for the Your Teen Podcast. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. If you're someone who reads an article and thinks of that one friend who has to read it too, think of our podcast the same way. Please share with that friend who's going to say, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know about your team with Sue and Steph. And do us a favor and review and rate the show on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com 
at evergreenpodcast.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. We'll see you next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.